Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is September 4th, 2021. The Steelers Outpost broadcast team comes to you once again from the proximate location of the Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And that is to say, Nick is still in town. And in spite of a malevolent Ida, we didn't merely weather the storm this past week during the family vacation. We had a great time. We discovered, mainly, that true skill is necessary to be successful at pool volleyball. It wasn't as much pool volleyball as much as it was um, bizarro world pool volleyball because there was no volleyball. There was a an inflatable sort of toy that we use as a volleyball. So its volatility and unpredictably unpredictability mirrored that of Hurricane Ida, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, we, we weathered that storm as well. We have a number of things to get into in this podcast, let's, uh, including some very sad news. But let's uh, hear a word from our sponsor before we jump in. Spotify Greenroom, everybody. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for debates, for post-game breakdowns, watch parties, and reacting to breaking news. You can share your own experiences on the app, and you can even get in touch with some of the people uh, whose conversations you enjoy listening to, or maybe you get in touch with some of the people whose work you enjoy watching. All you got to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. The aforementioned bad news is that longtime Steelers player and broadcast personality Tunch Ilkin died this morning, uh, obviously related to the ALS that was diagnosed last fall, fall of 2020. It's, it's amazing. He worked up until the end. When did he, he stopped about a month ago? Very recently. The Steelers president, Art Rooney II, put out a statement and says, We are heartbroken by the passing of Tunch Ilkin. He was a man of faith who dedicated his entire life to being a devout Christian and family man. His passion for the game of football was evident in his everyday life. As a player, he fought his way through tough times, being cut and injured, but continued to make an impact as a leader of our offensive line and made two Pro Bowls. After his playing career, Tunch continued to make an impact in our community in so many ways. His efforts and dedication to the light of life was unparalleled, and his desire to always help others made everyone appreciate him. Finally, he says, he was loved by his family, teammates, and friends. We were fortunate to have Tunch as a player and broadcaster for so many years. Our condolences to his entire family during this difficult time. I'll say this. I was a bit shocked. So were you when we first read the news um, because it just seems like it was just yesterday 
when he had to quit the job, you know, to pay attention to his his battle with ALS. And I just put out a tweet saying, like, this guy is very rare. He was kind of worshipped in and outside of Pittsburgh by players, media, and fans alike long before the ALS diagnosis came. And, you know, sometimes it takes a, a, um, a tragic death or a tragic illness diagnosis for people to really uh, pour out the support for someone. And that's not wrong. I think that that just puts life into perspective and it's okay to, to give people a lot of love during that time. This guy had that reputation long before the ALS thing was public and that's just so rare. I, I don't know a lot of other players, even in the Steelers organization, that out of anybody, any member of the organization, this is the only guy who, I, who I've ever heard, totally beloved by players, media, coaches, and fans, so much to the point that people go out of their way to talk about how awesome he is. So I think we can only hope to make that kind of impact in anybody's life and I think this is actually one of the cool parts about pro sports whereas this guy can get immortalized a little bit uh, through the team you know Neil Kulong uh, tweeted earlier that he hopes that they put patches or something on the Steelers helmets or their jerseys of Tunch and I think that that stuff's pretty major um, because the the team's gonna last right there's gonna be reasons to talk about Tunch Ilkin there's reasons to talk about Troy Palomalo there's reasons to talk about the Rooney family and that's this platform that the sports gives like gives you just gives an excuse to talk about these incredible people and I think that that's a really beautiful thing about sports and about Tunch's life I mean obviously this is deeply tragic and disturbing if you think about it and if you think about the details of ALS uh, but the reality is death you know is guaranteed and the fact that this guy basically was an immortal and influenced so many people to change the way that they actually are through his kindness and his dedication that is top tier life lived for a human in my opinion yeah, that's well stated. I mean, he had a certain charisma. He used to love his breakdown of games and plays, and you know, he was just such, such a positive attitude. Obviously, yeah. a very Christian person, and, and lived that. As someone, both of us have people in our family that have died of ALS over an extended time. It's a horrible disease, and maybe there was some bit of mercy in his quick demise. Not to say you know life is still worth living. Speaking right. of immortality, the the Steelers announced that. Tunch will be in the franchise's Ring of Honor class of 2021. And you may be interested to know that Tunch was the longest-serving Steeler, having spent 36 seasons with the organization, 13 as a player, and uh, 23 years on the broadcast yeah, team. Yeah, like I was going to say, even before the ALS, he's a slam dunk for the for the Ring of Honor. I mean, Pro Bowl player uh, helped, you know, further the Steelers' experience in the broadcast booth, but also mentored con- like many offensive linemen who cite him as a big uh, influence with a lot of great Steelers' offensive lines here over the past few years, and uh, I'm sure he did his best with the uh, offensive line before that, you know, pre-pouncy. I'm glad he ended up on the broadcast <laughs> booth. We were better served with hearing from him rather than Yeah, exactly. Coach, no, but he still does. He's down, at, he's down at practice and everything like that. These guys talk about him as a... He didn't just help me emotionally. He helped me with my technique. He, yeah, or he helped me with my marriage or whatever. This guy could do everything. So honored to have a guy like that. I don't know if that's the right phrase for me, but just pumped to, you know, we were Steelers fans just because you grew up in Pittsburgh and that's how you ended up being a fan and 
I ended up following you, and so it's not like we've taken anything on by doing that, but we're lucky that the team we've chosen to follow has stories like this in spades. So Tunch is the man. Hope that Hopefully they put a patch or something like that on the jersey so we can talk about him a lot more. Although there's no way to segue out of something serious like the story we just talked about. It is a segue to talk about the Steelers' offensive line woes. Okay, so... We are in the dumbest week in the history of NFL season right now. A freaking bye week in between the tease that was the preseason and now the 17-game regular season. This week is garbage. This week is crap. I want to be sitting here talking about the Steelmen playing the Bills tomorrow, but alas, they do it next week at 1 o'clock for some weird reason for the game of the week. Okay, offensive line woes. The experiment is going poorly. All right? The experiment is going poorly. Zach Banner can't play in the NFL. Every time he even sniffs the field, he gets injured. I'm sorry. I know he's a lovable guy, but this is becoming an injury-prone looking thing. So Zach Banner on IR till at, has to miss the first three weeks. Obviously, McFarlane, the running back, on IR as well. And then Stephon it with this complete mystery situation, he's on IR till at least three uh, week four as well. And this offensive line thing, where Dan Moore is clearly, as a rookie, outperformed Chooks and Banner, who has no sample size, in the preseason. He was not chosen to be the starter over Chooks, which should surprise nobody based on them starting Filer over a dominant Kevin Dotson all last year. So now, well, I guess we do get to see Dan Moore play. The good news is they're having to switch sides over and over again so that Chooks can be comfortable in his spot or Banner can be comfortable in their spot. So you're going to switch around the most promising guy. So now we're going to switch, flip-flop the right and left tackles all over again because Dan Moore was playing left tackle all offseason and now they're going to switch him to right tackle and, and so on and so forth. So Mike Tomlin, when you look at this, Tomlin and Colbert, I see them pick up defensive player after defensive player. We'll talk about the pickup of the cornerback, Akilah Weatherspoon, later in this draft or in this podcast. They picked up a Pro Bowl inside linebacker. They picked up a Pro Bowl outside linebacker. They picked a high-pedigree cornerback for a defense that lost a lot of players but overall was still absolutely stacked. There's an offensive line that is in absolute red alert mode. They, you know, they made some moves. I guess they would argue that they used the draft to pick up these linemen. Granted, it was third and fourth round. You know, so it's not like first and second round. That is a way different feeling. And then they picked up Joe Haig, a universally, you know, disliked offensive lineman for his his performance that way. So it's not, and then Trey Turner. That's a big trade. So when you look at what do they do for this offensive line, realizing that it's not possible to fix all five positions in you know four months or whatever it is, it's not like they didn't do anything, right? They've made investments, but they were just weird investments based on the fact that this is a Super Bowl now team and the quarterback is so old and immobile at this uh, phase. And so to me, I'm looking at all the moves they made, and you can't argue with any of them. Just the big gamble they took was just assuming Chooks and Banner, two guys who are utterly unproven, were going to be okay to start this season. And I know you can't predict injuries, this or that, although I would argue Banner has, like, Almost literally never played in the NFL, so I don't know why he's the Sanquez Golden of uh, Sanquez Golson. Golson, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's getting it's getting to that point, and this is a five, four or five year NFL veteran. I wonder if there's just something about his size. He just can't. First of all, is I worry he about out, that, yeah. as far as we know, because the they the knee it's still it's still focused on his knee injury. 
yeah, they say that he's still recovering from that knee injury. And part of you could be frustrated because he got so hurt uh, hurt so early in the season last year. You'd think he'd be back. But you got to remember, you can't compare him to Adrian Peterson. This is a very large man with you know not the same type of physicality. So if it takes him a little bit longer to recover, that's okay. Although as we look here on uh, some website on CBSSports.com, you can see more news. Zach Banner ahead of schedule. Zach Banner trending in the right direction. Blah blah blah. Like those are never listen to those ever again. The ahead of schedule reports, right? The, the guy they went into camp expecting to have a starting tackle, and they were wrong. And so now the Steelers are going to play one of the top three or four best teams in the entire NFL with an offensive line that has never played together, and. I think they're, they and the Chiefs are the, the second and third teams ever to have to. Uh, they're starting five new players on the offensive line. There's just no way that works immediately. You know what I mean? So it's just there's reason to be pissed off with them putting so much faith in two guys who never shown, showed anything other than being like maybe they could be capable starters. So that's just what's really frustrating me as they go into the first week here with a team that's filled with all pros and star players and depth and just the utter – stubbornness to stay with these two tackles who have struggled is potentially going to bite them in the butt. All right, so ultimately the question is, did the Steelers do an adequate job of preparing for the future? Would you have, looking at what we're looking at today, not having played any official games, do you think the Frymouth pick was the right thing to do? I mean, because at the time we were Man. talking about our thought that they should have been looking at offensive line by that early, second round. Yeah. And, there were, and there were guys available. We said at the time, actually, I, it's not that I don't think Fryermuth's a good player. I think we were a little higher on him than some of the other people were based on his incredibly soft hands, which we noticed when we watched the film and broke him down in an earlier episode. But, but yeah, we said, like, that's just obscene. There's going to be a tackle that you could take at that place who's going to be a much higher ceiling than a fourth-round guy like Dan Moore, who I like Dan Moore. We all like Dan Moore. But it just all goes back to the same thing. The confidence in Chooks and Banner is kind of bewildering. That's tackle. They, they're on an island, essentially. You get a little help inside, but the offensive tackle, you need pedigree guys most of the time. You know what I mean? I know the Steelers have had success with guys who aren't, um, but... It was just frustrating that they didn't make any moves towards that. Do I think they made enough moves on the offensive line this offseason? When you look around, they made a lot of moves. And we may not like Haig, but they went and they, they picked up a veteran tackle who has a lot of experience, just played in the Super Bowl. They picked up B.J. Finney, an extremely versatile swing player who had played for the Steelers. He can back up two positions on the inside. They drafted a center in the third round who may actually have been a better fit for them systematically than Creed Humphrey and Dickerson, you know, the more highly ballyhooed centers in the draft. You might actually say, even if you're looking at all three of them, well, Moore actually might be a much better fit regardless. So you got to like that move. Or, no, sorry, Kendrick Green. Then Dan Moore, another guy. Like, mm, that's a good fourth-round pick. I can't, I can't hate on it. I just think that these are all great moves if you're not trying to win the Super Bowl this year with the 38-year-old quarterback who might be retiring in any second. You have a Super Bowl team ready to go now. You know you need to strike because those windows slam shut so quickly based on free agency. These just seem like more long-term moves, and the big gamble is like our tackles will be fine, our tackles will be fine. We'll take a guy who's a veteran who hasn't performed well, and we'll take a guy in the fourth round who's a project rather than taking somebody 
in the first or second round or trading for somebody or picking up a free agent who's a proven dude at tackle. So to me, they made a lot of great moves on the offensive line. They rolled the dice on Banner and Chooks. And Chooks was the worst lineman of the starters in the offseason, and Banner still hasn't played. So right now, it's an F on, with those two guys. Do you think Derek Watt's going to spend more time in the backfield? He had 52 offensive snaps last year. Just as a, you know, an added measure of protection to your point about the tackles being on an island. I've always hated the Derek Watt signing, especially since Rosie Nix was in town, who I don't think Derek Watt is any better than at all. And I just don't see the reason why you're going to try and get Derek Watt the ball to play, I understand. To, pl- to block. I understand what you mean there. I just, I get. That's probably something that I have to experiment with. We barely saw it in the preseason. I think you're right. You might need two tight ends. You might need a fullback in there, and that could be really helpful. I just haven't seen the Steelers do that in a while, and uh, I don't know. But you're right. That is a good thought. You're going to need as many auxiliary blockers as you possibly can. And honestly, if you have Derek Watt in there and you're only playing with two receivers, you feel pretty good with Deontay and Juju or Deontay and Claypool's ability to get open uh, if you just get the box stacked. So I I like that suggestion by you. I just haven't quite seen the Steelers run with the fullback since Le'Veon Bell's final year where they had a lot of success with Rosie Nick. So I keep my fingers crossed that they're going to do it. Just haven't seen much of it. All right, just to change the subject slightly, where we had this utmost confidence on the defensive side of the ball, a defensive line and edge, pretty much, things have turned around quite a bit in the last couple weeks. Yeah, obviously, TJ Watt still waiting for that contract. We predicted the entire offseason, along with many other people who follow the Steelers, that this would be the week when TJ will get the deal done. If they don't get the deal done, I'm pissed. I'd be shocked. But we said, hey, let's hold out. Hayden got his deal super late. Cam Hayward got, or Hayden and Hayward got their deals really late, you know, over the past few years. That's kind of generally when these things happen for the Steelers. But you can't help being scarred by the by the Le'Veon Bell situation, although it's very different. They offered him amazing money, but then they, they let him walk. It's a different position. But you need to see that TJ Watt contract to feel a little better. And then the Stefan Tua thing just gets odder and odder. He is on injury reserve till week four. That is a, in, a, a an absence that you can overcome because of the phenomenal depth at defensive line. But I think with the massive question marks that abound everywhere on the offensive side, you really need your defense to be the best defense in the league or one of the two or three best defenses in the league. And to it had a lot of points last year where we were wondering, is this guy the best player? Even over Hayward and, and Watt and Minka. I mean, long story short, he's just around the same class that those guys are. So when you have him and Hayward on the field at the same time, you are going to have a best defense in the league type team when you're playing an unbeatable quarterback. Like Josh Allen, he's going to figure it out at some point like he did last year, right? He's just so physically talented that you need if – if your offense isn't going to be putting up a lot of points, that defense needs to be historic, and that's what Tua helps you do. Now you got plenty of guys to come in after him, so it's not a disaster. But it's just, it's just frustrating that they're going into the into the first game without a star like that, even though they have plenty of guys who can make up for it. And then with TJ, we're going to hold to what we said before. We think the contract's going to come within the two days before the game or something like that. What's really troubling is that is the report that they are have been very very close. Something's wrong. TJ, what? hasn't made a tackle in practice, and he's going to go out cold in the first game? Yeah, you can't like that. 
Honestly, that that's a little risky. It's once again Le'Veon Bell situation. He had a really start, slow start that year when he held out the entire preseason and then ended up playing. And look, that's tough. They always say football shape is different from regular shape. It's great that he's been around the team, but yeah, I don't love that. Now is he going to have a sack in the first game? Guarantee it. Guarantee it. For You're calling sure. the shot. I'm calling it for sure. I'm not exactly taking a risk there. He has a sack in most almost every game, but. Yeah, you just you, you just sort of worried that don't you worry about like injury or something like that? Like I just wish that this guy was on the field, you know, knock on wood. Don't want to risk that, but uh, yeah, it's frustrating that the Steelers had the opportunity to be hitting on all cylinders, the two it thing kind of out of their control, and they just you know I hope that they get the deal done. I'm absolutely certain the argument is over guaranteed money, which is what the Steelers contracts always come down to because they don't really offer a lot of that. Uh, especially since uh, Bosa has such a an inflated, a massive contract that's so much farther ahead of the market than the other edges. Once again, like, uh, well, not like Le'Veon Bell. They were trying to make him that guy. Um, yeah, there's just complications there. It's just annoying. There's an annoying feeling going into this Bills game. C- c- kind of a I told you so sort of thing with the, with the tackle situation. But, hey, the Steelers... They are so stacked at every position. Their receivers are amazing. The running back is going to be awesome. The quarterback is old, but he's still good. There's all pro-type guys at every level of the defense, you know, in the, in the front, in the middle, and in the back end, right? I think that the play calling over the last two years, and I'm including the Duck-Mason year, I mean, it can't be overstated how bad it was. I mean, the predictability, the lack of variety, the, yeah, the situational predictability, the fact that they just have some play action, some under center, some using the middle of the field kind of stuff in the offense this year gives you some hope that even though the offensive line could be scary, you, your skilled position players are so damn good that you think they can make some things happen. But I, I feel like with the lack of continuity here and the youth at offensive line, we're going to be seeing some holding penalties against a complicated Sean McDermott Bills defense. One other player story that really doesn't affect this year, but uh, Joe Hayden not going to sign a con, not going to get an extension this year. It's the right move, right? We love Joe. I think. His agent said that he's going to test the free agent market next year at age 33, and they feel really good about that. I think there's actually a decent chance the Steelers still get him, even after letting him test free agency. If you're Hayden, I mean, unless you're getting an offer from the Chiefs or something, the Steelers might be a great call for you. So, yeah, Hayden, that kind of goes exactly where you would expect it. The cut down occurred last Tuesday. Any surprises for you? I don't think so. I think Gentry making it over Kevin Radar at the third tight end spot was a little surprising with Radar's kind of dominant blocking, but Gentry did take a step forward, and maybe it just goes to show you that's what being a drafted guy gets you. You get that extra benefit of the doubt. Other than that, I wouldn't say there was much that was that shocking. Uh, I think UG3, Ulysses Gilbert, remaining on the team after a pretty putrid preseason also tells you, well, they like it when they draft you. Like, if the drafted guys get a 1,000 lives here, and then I'd say the last guy was the Jameer Jones. That was the one dude who sort of made his his name known and had a great camp. Oh, and I guess Trey Norwood. They just they love that guy. I mean, I think that they just have to put him in, in the middle of the ring with no pads, and everyone just beats the crap out of him, and he has to fight his way out. They need to find a way to get that guy tough. I can't believe there's a member in a professional secondary who's scared of tackling. Like, that worries me. But they love him. They love his versatility the same way that they love Cameron Sutton's versatility. So I'm not going to give on him just yet. But some of his preseason reps were downright embarrassing. So I guess those were kind of the surprise guys, if you will. 
So hopefully we are not surprised on special teams now that we have a new punter, Presley yep. Hall in the third, has made the team, along with Christian Kuntz, who came out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. Although, when you when you look at it, he has uh, the ability to maybe in a fire drill play linebacker. Well, he played linebacker for the Steelers and Priests a few years back. So, it's, yeah, maybe he didn't come out of nowhere as much as he came from below. He yeah. attacked from beneath the ground tunneled his way out so that's pretty good and i guess everything else is relatively expected and now it's time to look forward at this bills analysis week one before we get there let's just briefly mention that the steelers bought an insurance policy to be that as it may they picked up Akilah witherspoon from uh well technically he came from seattle but he didn't play last year for seattle he was just on the team and he did four years in san francisco and he's essentially the most he's the eric ebron of defense he's just incredibly up and down he's either great or he sucks his tackling was again trey would trey norwood like and maybe it should give us some hope for trey norwood because his tackling has slightly improved if you look at alex kazora wrote an article on him that was based off of his previous scout and it looks like his tackling has improved a little bit which for these finesse guys is sometimes all you got to ask for we were watching his highlights and he has four career interceptions none of them really impressive at all so no they were all thrown to it but three out of the four thrown to him what's really concerning though is that you know he started playing in 2017 he went. He started nine games that year. Started twelve the next, and then proceeded to decline in the last two years. He only played thirty-two percent of the snaps last year. Yeah, well, and, got, and went to Seattle, and, and he didn't stick around long enough. He got his he got his payday. He's got his four million dollars from Seattle, who's going to pay half of his price, and the Steelers are going to pick up one point five million dollars against their cap. We'll see what happens. Steelers love pedigree guys, so it's no surprise that they picked him up. All right. Bills are favored by six and a half points. I was on the NFL site. I was on CBS. Nobody is picking the Steelers to come anywhere close in this game. Well, there's a couple things there. Number one, the Bills are are a much more well-oiled machine than the Steelers are at this point. Obviously, they're sort of a young team that is beginning to peak. They have a quarterback who emerged, fulfilling his potential. And Josh Allen, this is an MVP-type guy. If he gets MVP this year, nobody's going to be surprised. He's awesome. We'll talk a little bit about him. And, uh, you know, they're coming off an AFC championship game appearance, and the Steelers are figuring out a bunch of new positions, even though the Steelers do have a lot of continuity as well. Just the offensive line thing is massive, and then the coaching and having Ben be so old. We said this every week. The the Steelers are just mass hated in the media right now because people are tired of them. There was the um, eleven and worst eleven and team ever. There was the losing five out of six of the final games and then getting absolutely massacred by the people. The doormat, your doormat for twenty years. The Cleveland Browns massacre you and the wild card. It's just going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths. So I think that that's what's going on there. Do I think the Buffalo Bills have a much better roster than the Steelers? Absolutely not. But they have a superstar quarterback in his prime who can throw from the pocket, is mobile, is gigantic, and their team hasn't really changed that much. They have a formula. They're going to go into week one using that formula again, whereas the Steelers have a lot of question marks. And then also the the Bills are playing at home. And uh, the Steelers absolutely own them in the first half of their game late last year. So that also gives me a reason to wonder why the, the line is so large. But Ben broke down and kind of lost that game for the Steelers, you know, with that pick six and just not being able to move the ball, even though the Steelers stifled Josh Allen. 
I think that historically, Sean McDermott, his defensive line has caused the Steelers' offensive line some issues. That's going to be tough. And obviously, nobody on the Steelers can cover Stephon Diggs. But you got to feel good about the fact that you have a great pass rush, assuming TJ picks up where he left off. And you got Minka Fitzpatrick lurking there behind. But Minka Fitzpatrick was there last year, and it did not help with Stephon Diggs and what he was able to do to the Steelers. So I, I'm not surprised. They should definitely be favorites. But six and a half seems like a lot, right? It seems like a, a big number. I was looking for weak spots. I did a lot of reading this morning trying to find the, the silver lining. The um, They're thin in a few positions, which makes them like 31 other teams in the NFL, right. thin behind their starters. Yeah, I guess the offensive line had been kind of in that state, but they picked up. They, they actually shored up their offensive line. The w- one other thing I saw that they they had quite a number of turnovers last year. Yeah, and that that Steelers are opportunistic in that way, and hopefully they remain so. The other thing is, this is this is when you assume sort of the the defensive strategy will be unveiled, and I don't know if Josh Allen will be subject to confusion, but we haven't seen any of that during the preseason for obvious reasons. You know, no, don't want to show our hand. But do you think that that could cause some consternation on the Bills' side of the ball? Here's what I think. Here's what I do think. The Steelers had incredible success in the first half against Josh Allen last year. They really made him look like a young quarterback. Josh Allen's not going to be stifled in a half like that. You know, in a couple years when he's seen everything, that's not going to happen. But the Steelers took advantage of a guy who's still young, hasn't played a ton, and they took away a lot of the deep throws that he likes, and they made him throw underneath. And then Brian Dayball, the fantastic offensive coordinator for the Bills, went in halftime, clearly talked to Josh Allen and said, just throw the ball two yards to Stephon Diggs on the slants, and he's just going to annihilate the Steelers on catch and run. That's what happened. The last time... I remember the Steelers having a phenomenal game plan was the Jesse James game against the Patriots. And then the the subsequent game when Joe Hayden had the great interception, the Steelers finally beat the Patriots. They ran that toss counter play a bunch of times and then they played the Patriots again and opened the game with they just ran that same toss counter. So they found this great strategy using the toss counter ripped the, the, the Patriots apart with it, with Jalen Samuels. The very next time they played them, they're like, we're going to do that again. Not realizing that the reason why it worked, it was so unexpected. So I'm worried the Steelers will just try the exact same strategy on defense that worked for Josh Allen last year. But if they're smart, they will really switch it up a lot. And I think the Steelers have a chance at being able to um, – to confuse in that way. But look, there's just matchups like Stefan Diggs, no one in the Steelers can cover him. I don't think the Steelers have a guy who can cover Cole Beasley in the slot. Emmanuel Sanders is a bit of an old man. I don't that doesn't worry me so much as people covering him one on one. But you're talking about the third receiver being Emmanuel Sanders who can still get deep. There there's a lot of weapons out there. Nobody can stop Josh Allen physically to an extent. So it's worrisome. And I'll say this for Steelers fans who don't know about Josh Allen polarizing prospect coming out of college but I think if you knew what you're watching you realize this guy could be amazing he wasn't just big and fast he was historically fast if you saw some of his scrambles at Wyoming that's what really turned me on to him I heard this guy's a good scrambler I didn't know he was like that doing spin moves 20 he runs like as well as Russell Wilson but he's twice the size of him and then he doesn't just have a cannon arm he has a cannon arm one of the best arms the NFL has ever seen easily Quite possibly a little stronger than Patrick Mahomes, easily on the same you know 
level. But it's not just that he can throw hard. It's he can flick the ball. He has that flick. He has that smooth throwing motion. He corrected his accuracy last year, learned how to take some things off of the ball, and that skyrocketed. So this guy has always had tremendous talent. This isn't wrong. I mean, you could make the argument that Josh Allen is the most physically talented quarterback to ever come in the NFL. His arm is easily as good as Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, the best arms we've ever seen. But his size is Cam Newton, and his running is Russell Wilson-esque. So am I saying he's the best quarterback or not? But I'm saying, well, he's got a lot of Patrick Mahomes talents, but he's bigger. Am I saying, oh, well, he's the size of Cam Newton, but he's a much better thrower? This guy is extremely good, and uh, he's going to give every team a hard time. But the Steelers, you know, they're good at hanging in there with, with superstar quarterbacks sometimes. Wow, I was looking for a silver lining. Maybe somebody out there has a silver lining we can talk about it. I'll say this. We can talk about it online at Spotify Greenroom, which is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to athletes, insiders, fans, and other people in real time. It's perfect to get in debates with other people on the platform. You can break down games after they happen. You can break down games while they're happening. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. On second thought, I can't wait to have the conversation online. Are there any silver linings, any rays of hope for the Steelers in this game? Yeah, I think the Steelers have more star players than the Bills have. I think the Bills have... Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, it, it really is an Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger situation up there. They have that kind of chemistry that way. And they have Tredavious White, and then they have a bunch of good guys, whereas the Steelers have, you know, T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward. Hopefully, you know, Devin Bush has that temp- – uh, I mean, they have Tremaine Edmonds on the other side. But I think the Steelers have a larger number of star players on their team, even if it's just by a little bit. And while the Steelers are starting a lot of new players in this disastrous offensive line, the receivers have played with Ben for a couple years. The defense has largely played together for a few years. They've all played for Mike Tomlin. You got a great kicker. It's a 1 p.m. game um, in the middle of the day in Buffalo. It might be a little bit different than having to deal with Buffalo at night, which would be insane, especially considering Buffalo has sucked for 30 freaking years, and they finally got good last year, and they weren't allowed to have many fans in the stands. So thank goodness it's not a night game because that would have been impossible to hear the signals on offense for Ben and the boys. So, yeah, I actually don't think the Bills are a ton better than the Steelers or much better at all on paper. They just do have an MVP quarterback who's, you know, kind of maybe not even at the height of his powers just yet. And they have the continuity of, well, we're going to pick up right where we left off in the championship game, where the Steelers have a few more moving parts, and then, of course, Buffalo's at home. I would think that the line would be more like three and a half, but, yeah, it's not like they're in a different class. There's really going to be almost no teams except for, you know, the the, the Buccaneers, who the Steelers don't play in the regular season. There's almost going to be no teams who are going to just be able to outclass the Steelers. There's too many good players. The Steelers, after Buffalo, play at home against the Raiders and then Cincinnati. Ideal. I mean, the end of the schedule is the hard part. Everybody knows about that. The the end of the schedule is Ravens, Vikings, eh, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens again. That's brutal. The beginning's not terrible. I mean, the Bills, that's rough. Raiders, very beatable. Bengals, very beatable. And then they play, unfortunately, at the Green Bay Packers. That's 
that's that's a tricky one. <laughs> Can't lie to you. But that being said, if they got out of this two and two, it's not the worst thing ever. If they get out of this three and one, you're going to be thrilled because the, the you know the Bills and the and the Packers should be championship candidates. If they don't make the championship, both those fan bases are going to be disappointed. So one last thing before we go, you have a birthday coming up, so I just want yeah. to say to you and to our listening audience, happy birthday. Thanks, Papacito. Thanks for making me. Thanks for creating me. Great, great work. I feel you know good as a human being, part of the human race, and hopefully the Steelers can give me a one-week late birthday present of a victory over the Bills who just lucked out versus the Steelman last year. Those fans are getting too big for their britches. Let's cut them down to size, Pittsburgh style. So listeners... Can you offer, convey a ray of hope to us through Twitter at Steelers Outpost? Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.